You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Well, good morning, church. Wow, there are a lot more people here than I thought coming into it. I was like, holiday weekend, it'll just be like 20 people, it'll be super chill. But you guys, just so thankful that you guys still came out with the holiday and everything. So like Josh said, I am just south, the disciple uh, and pastoral resident here at New Life. And so if there's one thing I think people should know about me, it's that I have faithfully been watching Survivor since 2007. (laughs) Yes, yes, give it up for Survivor. These are my people. So as I was just preparing for this message um, and just studying the scripture, there was a season and a particular challenge that just kept coming to mind as I was just preparing for this morning. And so it's from Survivor. They do this challenge, and it's called House of Cards. And so each contestant is given 150 wooden tiles. And the point of the challenge is that uh, you either have to have the the first person to build a 10-foot tower or the tallest tower after 30 minutes. And so within this challenge in this season, it was the final five. And if you don't really understand Survivor, it's a competition for a million dollars. So people aren't just like, willy-nilly trying to win. Like, they are trying to win these challenges. They want to have immunity. They don't want to be voted out. And so in this particular season, there were two people that kind of held the lead throughout this challenge. And so one of them with the blue tiles, when the challenge started, she just quickly started assembling a tower. Her strategy was just, I'm going to get the 10-foot tower. I'm not going to put much thought into how I build it. And so as you watch, it would crumble and fall, and she would just quickly gather up her tiles, start building, building it again. And it would fall over numerous times, but it was just the same strategy over and over. I want to get the 10-foot tower, not putting much thought into how she was building it. But the other person who kind of held the lead with the green tiles down on the end, you can see in this photo the difference where the blue tower, it's getting some height. The green tower is short, but she's meticulously building a foundation for her structure to get that 10-foot tower. So during this season, it comes down to the last 30 seconds, and the blue tower is just stacked so high, it looks like she's going to win. And in the last 30 seconds, it all just crumbles down, and the green tower actually won the challenge. And it didn't matter that it wasn't tall. It didn't matter that it wasn't 10 feet high. It just mattered that it had a strong foundation that held it. And so building a strong foundation takes more time and more energy, but it pays off in the long run. And so I think for us in our lives today, it can be easy to neglect foundations because it's the part of us that nobody really sees. It's not the flashy, it's not the showy, it's not what we post or anything, it's what we cultivate in our own personal time. Um, And so as the world is busy just celebrating the tall and the flashy towers, they're also celebrating the towers that just easily crumble, the parts that nobody actually sees, the times and the parts that actually take work. And so for our lives, posting a picture to social media of your open Bible might give you a good dopamine hit for the moment, but if we're not actually reading the words that are on the page, we're doing nothing to build our foundation. Building our foundation is when we're in the secret place, just at the Lord's feet, just studying his words. Telling somebody you're going to pray for them might externally communicate prayer, but it's going to the feet of Jesus and contending for that person that actually builds the foundation. And this is kind of a hot topic. Um, Brad gave me this suggestion, so if it doesn't go over well, send Brad an email, brad at newlifeoiland.org. 
But if you don't think core building and foundations matter, just look at the Ocean Gate Titan. Stock, or Stockton Rush celebrated the flashy, the quick, just the showy, but he neglected um, the very foundations of which made the structure safe, and it cost him and many others. And so if you are just sitting here today, this morning, I just want us to take a moment to just evaluate our foundations. And so if you just took a moment to examine your life and your foundation, what would you find? Would you find that you're founded on Christ? Or would you find that you're founded on something that's flashy and it just vaguely looks like Christ? Or something that looks just enough that you feel okay with it, you don't feel wrong with it. It's enough of Christ and enough of me, but I'm not going to question it anymore. Or maybe you're building your life on your own success, on money, on your family. Or maybe you've built your life on the trustworthiness of others and you've come to regret it. Or maybe you've built your life on promises that ended up being broken and now you're in a season of just figuring out what that means for you. But Jesus speaks directly to this idea of what we're building our lives on, and he's inviting us in to evaluate this morning what our foundations are. So we're going to be in Matthew 7 this morning, starting at verse 24. Um, So if you want to turn there now to have it ready, you can. But to give you some context of what we're jumping into, this passage that we're in today comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest recorded sermon that Jesus gives in the New Testament Um, It's very long, so I'm not going to hit every single point that he makes, but if I were to just sum it up in a sentence, um, it's Jesus giving direction on how to live a life that is dedicated, obedient, and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, full of wisdom and discernment. And so he's kind of just going through all these different stories, and then we're picking up at the end of it. So in Matthew 7, verse 24, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." So as I, took, as I took time to just kind of sit and study the scripture, I would read in the beginning, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine, and I'm like, but what words is Jesus actually talking about? And so if you go back to verse 21, you see that Jesus is talking about true and false disciples. And so if we read in verse 21, he says, not everyone who hears me say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So just like Jesus is saying, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. He's also saying the one who does the will of my father. And so Jesus is speaking directly to our obedience to him is what we're building our foundation on and how we build our foundation So I'm just curious, do we simply hear his words and just go on with our day? It's in one ear and out the other. Or do we hear his words and are moved by them? Our worlds are shaken, our minds are changed, and we actually put them into practice. And so as Jesus continues in verse 24, is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. In the Luke version in Luke 6, it's phrased there, like a man who dug down deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And so for me, I think it's really cool how Jesus can use language that's not very foreign to us. Because I can hear the phrase, built a house, and I'm like, okay, I understand that. I've never done it myself, but I can understand what he's saying. It's not this unknown topic that I have to really study. And so 
I wouldn't consider myself an expert builder or construction. I can't really tell you much, but this past week, I learned about how they build skyscrapers in New York. So this is very fresh knowledge to me. If I use wrong wording, don't come after me. This is very new to me. But in New York, they build skyscrapers, and I have a photo up here that shows. So a lot of like Manhattan, New York is just solid granite way underneath the surface, like down by that bedrock. And so when they build a skyscraper, they actually have to dig down super deep to reach that bedrock and the granite underneath. And so they take these like metal things that are piling, they're piling the skyscrapers to help build them. And so if there's a 100 foot, sky, 100 foot skyscraper, they sometimes build down 25 stories down into the bedrock just to make sure it has a strong structure. And so if you're like me, that doesn't really sound easy peasy of like, oh, let's dig down 25 stories, plant a little metal thing. Like it takes work and it takes energy and it can cost like four to $5 million to actually do this whole process. And so there's some uh, contractors, some construction people that they don't wanna pay the money. They don't wanna take the time to do that. And so they cut corners and they just dig down into the subsoil and actually they're seeing that over the years, just because of wind, these structures are starting to lean inches by inches every year. And so because of that, they actually have to pick up the whole skyscraper and do it right from the start, digging down like those 25 stories down into the bedrock. And so even for us, there's just so much symbolism in that of we can take the quick and easy route, but it's gonna pay in the long run. It might not look like it at the time, but as years go on and we start to lean and we start to waver, we have to go back to the foundation uproot everything we've done to go back and do it the right way from the start. And so taking the quick, the quick route leads to more energy, more time, and more disappointment. But taking the path of obedience to Jesus' authority, it may take more work and dedication, but it will also pay off in the long run, and it leads to more peace and a firm foundation on the rock. And so even looking here at New Life, just this year that we've had, we have celebrated 50 baptisms this year. That's insane. And then we have had 23 people make first-time decisions to follow Christ and accept just salvation for the first time. We've had students, yeah, give it up for that. That's incredible. We've had students just at NTS camp this past week, and we had students rededicate their lives, dedicate their lives to Christ, feel a call to ministry. They want to get baptized. And there's just so much happening here at New Life. But if we just stop at the celebration and what's happening, We've missed the whole point. We have to keep going in obedience and following him throughout these things. We can't just celebrate the flashy and the numbers. We have to actually celebrate the obedience that it brings. And so if this is kind of just a harsh statement, but if the foundation isn't right, what we're building is pointless. And so if what we're building is just numbers here at New Life, the foundation, the whole building, this whole ministry is just pointless if we're not founded on the rock and founded on our obedience to Christ. And so this past week, somebody shared this quote with me, and I just really liked it and thought it would tie in well with this. And it's from J.C. Ryle, and it says, There is a common worldly kind of Christianity in this day, which many have, and they think it's enough. A cheap Christianity which offends nobody and requires no sacrifice, which costs nothing and is worth nothing. So I just want that to sit with you. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I don't want a faith that's worth nothing. I want a faith in Jesus that is worth everything, a faith that wakes up in the morning and says, I deny myself, I pick up my cross, I submit my obedience to you, and I will follow you daily. I don't want something that's just cheap, that's flashy, that's showy, that has no actual substance beneath it. So just 
as that quote sits with you, something else that I find interesting in this parable is that Jesus references storms in both houses. We don't just see that the house was built on a rock. It was totally fine. They had summer pool parties, summer barbecues. There was nothing wrong, no storms or nothing. We see that storms are referenced in both. And it says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. So just because our, we build our house on the rock doesn't mean we have immunity to storms in our lives. Being built on the rock in obedience to Jesus' word does not mean protection from troubles, but it means protection in troubles. And so how do we know where our foundation is built? Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, am I built on rock or am I built on sand? A really easy and plain way to know what you're built on is when a storm comes in your life, how do you respond? Maybe for you a trial comes. Maybe you've lost your job or maybe you're struggling with your children or maybe you are fighting an addiction and just these storms keep coming and these trials keep coming. And so when they come, how do you react to it? Is your first gut reaction just anger? Is it to question God of how could you let this happen? I'm found in you. I'm obedient to you, but yet you let this happen to me. And so if that is your first reaction, I hate to say it, but that's a house built on sand. That's a house that will crumble when the trials of life come. And so I don't say that it's a hard reality to find out you're on sand, just to say it as a blanket statement. I say it as somebody who's gone through it. And it's a hard reality to realize I have built my life on sand. And so just from my personal experience, I don't think many people in the room know this, but I graduated from Grace Christian University back in 2020. Yeah, go Grace. Go Tigers. Um, But I graduated back in 2020, which I don't know if you remember, but just a little global pandemic was happening, just COVID-19 was making its run through the country. Um, School got shut down. I got sent home, and I watched my college graduation from my living room couch, which not everybody can say that. So at some point in life, that will impress people, but not really right now in life. Um, But my degree was in global communication. And so I had been called to be a missionary since 2016. I went on a mission trip to Honduras, and that's where the Lord just really revealed to me, like, this is what I've called you to. This is what I am just preparing you in your life. And so I knew that I was called to be a missionary, but I also knew that I was called to just get a four-year degree, and grace is really where the Lord led me to do that. And so I spent four years studying global communication. I would tell everybody, like, hey, after I graduate, I'm going to become a full-time missionary. I'm going to move to Honduras and just pursue what the Lord has been calling me to for the past five years or however long it had been at that point. And so then COVID hit. And I'm at home, and I'm stuck in my house. Planes are not leaving the country. It's physically impossible for me to get to Honduras. And I sat there, and just in the season of life, I would question the Lord of, Lord, you've called me to mission for years. I've been faithful to your calling. I've been obedient to going to college, to getting a degree. And I'm finally at the point where I was like, this is where life starts. This is where I finally pursue this. And I'm stuck in my house, physically unable to leave because of what's happening in the world. And so just to be honest with you, I had never questioned my faith more than this season of life. I truly questioned, Lord, do you mean good for my life? Do you actually love me? Do you actually want me to pursue this? Have you actually called me to missions? I just started questioning my whole life and the whole calling that he had placed on it. And so what I learned through just reflecting on that season is that I found my identity in my calling and not in the one who had called me. I was just so much more focused on like being the person who can get on a plane, travel across the country. I would love getting stamps in my passport. I took it as just like this pride in myself and not a pride in him and where he had called me and what he had called me to do. 
And so the, um, yes, and so even just putting more value on being a missionary over the mission of the gospel, I just made it so much about me and not about him anymore. And I was so just frustrated that I didn't get to go to Honduras. I didn't get to do this calling instead of, Lord, what are you teaching me through this? What are you saving me from? Despite the chaotic circumstances of COVID-19, what even in this are you saving me from right now? And so that season of life from 2020 has even come to just play a role in this new position that I've stepped in here. I first heard the Lord calling me to this pastoral discipleship role back in December. It was just a crazy season, and he kept laying associate pastor on my heart, and I was like, that's weird. I'm only called to be a missionary. That's the only thing you've ever put on my heart. Associate pastor, what's that? I don't even know what that would mean for my life. And so I would just quickly like brush that thought aside, but he just kept laying it on my heart every day for a week straight. And so um, when Brad approached me about this role and just stepping into this, I was like, no, I'm only called to be a missionary. Like, I don't think I could do anything besides that. Um, but it took, honestly, a role of us. It took obedience stepping out into this position and following the calling and as excited as I was to step into this, I was genuinely so excited. Like, I love New Life, and I just love all of you guys in this ministry. And as excited as I was for that, it took a lot in my heart to be okay with it. And it took obedience to leaving behind the calling of missionary and taking on this role of associate and discipleship pastor. And so it was as exciting as it was. I had to come back to the terms. I was having a conversation with a friend that I just really trust, and I was telling her, like, I just feel so silly, like, changing my calling. Like, can you do that? She was like, well, Lord, or she was like, well, Jess, the Lord can change your calling. Like, that's a thing. He can do that. He's all powerful. It's not your decision. It's his decision. And she just asked me straight up, are you more concerned with the calling or where he's calling? And I was like, shoot, 2020 is sneaking back up on me right now. And so I had to just really sit and be like, okay, Lord, obedience to you means letting go of something that I have held on to for so long. It means letting go of the title, of the role, of just what it all entails, and it means following you, just denying myself, picking up my cross for your sake. And so I can genuinely say I wouldn't be here in this role, even speaking on this stage this morning here at New Life, it, it wasn't for 2020 and the questioning season that I went to because it played a role in how I got here today. And so a house built on the rock can respond to a storm and say, Lord, I know you use all things for your good. Maybe you're teaching me something through this storm. I trust you. But a house, a house built on the rock can view storms as a means of grace, even when it doesn't feel like it. And so we have confidence building our lives on the rock because we know him. We know he is good. We know he is faithful. We know he is merciful. If you just open your Bible, it'll tell you everything that it is. You just have to read the words, and he'll reveal himself to you the more and more you seek him. And so storms are a blessing that give us the opportunity to evaluate our foundation I don't think the foolish man purposely built his house on sand, thinking that it would crumble. He built his house in confidence, but it was confidence in himself, not in God. And so, but it's incredible to know grace and to know what grace means for us. We, I was telling Brad this analogy, I was like, it's really cool that we haven't only been given supplies to build one house. It's not a one and done. If you build it on sand and it crumbles, like, game over, you're done. Grace means we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given second chances through the cross that even when I stumble, even when my house falls, he meets me in that moment and he says, here, try again. Here, seek me, build on my rock. I am trustworthy. I am worthy of you to build your life on. I'm worthy of you to build your house on. And so maybe in your life you've encountered untrustworthy people 
and you kind of just hold that approach when you approach the feet of Jesus that you just, you don't think you can trust people. Speaking for myself, I am a baby who was born in 97, so I'm kind of in this weird stage of like millennial and Gen Z. It's like this weird mix, don't really know where I fall. But I can speak for this generation and say, we are quick to question authority. We are quick when we meet people to be like, I want somebody who is genuine. I want somebody who says the words, who acts on them. They're not just flashy, they're not just showy. We want people that we can trust. And even as much as I have that mindset, I can't bring that mindset to the feet of Jesus and put that on him and say, Jesus, you have to prove yourself to me. I can't just bring that to his feet. I have to go to his feet saying, Lord, I know I can trust you. I know I can trust what you're doing in my life. And so when we know him, we know he has proven himself worthy of us to build our houses on. We just have to look at the cross. That says it right there. The act that he did on the cross He's saying, I'm worthy of you to build your life on. We don't need more than that, but he's been so gracious to just give us a whole Bible to show how he's been faithful. If you've been walking with him either a day or a hundred years, well, that wouldn't make sense, but years, he's proven himself faithful. And even when it feels like he hasn't, just look to the cross. He took up our sin. He took up our shame and nailed it to the cross. He has proven himself trustworthy of us to build our lives on. So just like the houses, our identity is not found on the outside. It's found on the foundations that we've built upon. And as sons and daughters of the king, we have to build our lives on the rock. And so we can build our lives, and our lives on the authority of Jesus on the rock because we know where it's leading. We know that at the end of time, even as Jesus is talking about the true and false disciples, we see that we're going to come to him at final judgment. He tells us where the story is leading. Final judgment is where we're all going, and it's We're going to stand before the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of time and have him say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary reality that I think a lot of us need to just sit with that for a moment and just let the reality of that sink in. That can happen at the end of time. And I don't want it to. And so I know to not have that happen, like I have to know him. I have to be obedient to him. And so... Because we have this idea and we know where it's going, it gives us the opportunity to fill in the gaps here and now. It gives us the opportunity in this life to build our house on the rock. It also gives us the opportunity that if our house falls because we've built it on sand, to just try again and dig deep into his word, dig deep into obedience with him and build our house on the rock. So something I think we often forget is that we can know him, but does he know us? Do we make ourselves available for him to know us and truly see us? Do we go before his feet and just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm coming to you with hands wide open, not holding on to anything. Like we just sang this morning, this is where I surrender. Surrender at the feet of Jesus is the safest place you can surrender anything. I don't know if somebody needs to hear that today, but it's not scary going to the feet of Jesus. It's actually comfort. It's peace. It's safety. And so we know he knows us through obedience through submission to his word and submission to his lordship. And so I think we can all sit here today. We're all smart people. We can say building a house on a rock is the smart choice. We know that building a house on sand would not work. It would crumble. It would fall. But I think the reason we don't do it is because we don't know Jesus is trustworthy because we haven't obeyed him. But like I said before, when we know him, we know he has proven himself worthy of us to build our lives on. We just have to look to the cross. And so I just want to ask you guys, what are your long-term goals for your walk with Jesus? Um, In the fall, 
just with my new role and everything and where we see new life heading, we truly just want to take a season to dive into discipleship and just what that looks like for this church, for this community, and just for this city. And so we're taking a whole sermon series in the fall to just what does discipleship look like? What does it look like to be obedient to Christ, to have community around us? And so maybe for you, it's just a simple step of taking one of the walk-along devotionals that we've had out. Maybe it's just taking one, doing it for yourself, just getting into the word on your own time. Or maybe it's grabbing one and getting a friend to say, hey, I would love to walk through this with you. Like, can we do fellowship together, getting in this word, getting in this devotional, and just studying the scripture? Maybe it's getting a mentor of someone who has gone before you and can pour wisdom into your life. I even just think of Tim and Laura and just... They mean so much to me. Like, they have gone before me. They've gone through life. They've gone through trials that I know, but I can still say they are people found on the rock. And because I can see that, I can say, I want that. I want to learn from you. I want to hear about the hardships. I want to hear how you stuck close to Christ throughout everything that you went through. Or maybe it's taking the summer to pray about joining a small group in the fall. I know small groups are sometimes not flashy. They're not appealing Not every night is earth-shattering or, like, Holy Spirit moving, but it is those times where your foundations are laid, where the building blocks are put into place. Or maybe you've even felt a nudge to lead a small group. If you have, I would just love to have a conversation with you of what that would look like because we truly just, we know discipleship is so necessary within this church and within this community. And so if you feel that nudge, I would encourage you just from any of these, don't let it just slip by. We're going to take time to go into a last song here this morning. And if any of these things are just speaking to you, we will have the prayer team up front. I would just encourage you, don't let this moment pass by. Really just lean in, pray about it, think about it. How can I be obedient to Christ even in this season? So like I said, obeying Jesus is how we go from just hearing him to actually knowing him. So if you guys want to go ahead, we're going to move into a time of prayer. So just take whatever posture you need. If that means just sitting there, if it means getting on your knees, If it means just closing your eyes and sitting silent before the Lord, whatever that looks like, really press in. This is a very just important season of life. It's an important season for this community and for this church. So if you want to go ahead and just take any posture that you want to right now.